Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Sustainable Futures Show. Yes, it's Friday the 13th. Didn't we have one of those last month? Don't worry, there won't be another Friday the 13th until November. I've called this episode What Goes Around, because I'm going to talk about the circular economy. I'll also tell you about a new book which asks, Can We Win the Carbon War? Yesterday I presented at Expo Northwest. I'll tell you about that next time because I'm recording this in advance, and I haven't really done it yet. Next week I shall be talking about sustainability in schools at the Education Show at the National Exhibition Centre in Birmingham. Tickets are free and it's not too late to sign up. That's at four o'clock on the Friday, and then after that I'm travelling back up to York to do an after-dinner speech at the local beekeeper's dinner. It won't be about sustainability. It won't even be about sustainable bees. And to be honest, at this stage, I'm not quite sure what it will be about. If it turns out to be any good, I'll tell you about it afterwards. Well, first, let's talk about the circular economy. The circular economy is based on the principle that in nature there is no landfill. Everything grows, eventually dies, and is then consumed either by animals or other organisms, and is absorbed into the soil. New plants grow from the soil, animals eat them, they may be eaten by other animals, which eventually die, and so things go on. Our current economic model is completely different. We take, make and discard. This means that we grow crops or we extract minerals and resources from the earth and we process them and use them and when we've finished with them we throw them into landfill. This could go on forever. As long as there are always new crops to grow, more minerals to extract and plenty of holes to throw the waste into. Sadly, this is not the case. Of course, we all know we must reduce, reuse and recycle. And recycling is growing day by day and year by year. But this is really only dealing with the final problem and not with its root cause. Most of our recycling is downcycling, which means we reuse things, but usually create an inferior product. Paper becomes cardboard. Glass bottles become glass insulating mat, and so on. The circular economy model starts not with the waste produced, but at the opposite end of the production cycle, at the design stage. Too many modern products are designed to be thrown away at the end of their lives. They can't be taken apart and they can't be repaired. Even if one small component goes wrong, the whole thing has to be thrown away and replaced. If products are designed from the outset for reuse, they can be taken apart. They can be disassembled into their component parts. Faulty components can be repaired. Units can be remanufactured or refurbished and sent back for further use. Eventually they will get to a stage where this is no longer possible and the design will allow them to be taken apart into their component materials so that these can be fed back into the production process. Remember, there is no landfill in nature. Why should we need it? The Ellen MacArthur Foundation is a leading advocate of the circular economy. Ellen MacArthur, the round-the-world yachtswoman, 
saw the devastation caused by climate change and pollution across the world and has devoted her time to establishing this foundation. Earlier this month, there was a major conference in London. Next month, the Rethinking Progress event takes place at Bradford University. Tickets will be available next week. The foundation is a global lobbying force, and it also provides extensive resources for schools. I'll be mentioning it when I make my presentation to the Education Show at the National Exhibition Centre in Birmingham next week. Tickets for that are still available, by the way. You've no doubt heard of TED Talks, Ideas Worth Sharing. TED 2015 takes place in Vancouver next month, and Ellen MacArthur will be one of the speakers. Watch out for it. I strongly recommend that you look at ellenmacarthurfoundation.org and also look at the Foundation's channel on YouTube for some amazing animations which explain the whole concept of the circular economy. I think you'll agree that the future has got to be circular. The first instalment of Can We Win the Carbon War was published this month. Author Jeremy Leggett is a former academic, chief executive of a highly successful solar energy company and chair of the Carbon Tracker Initiative. It was the Carbon Tracker report in 2011 which highlighted the risks of burning the remaining fossil fuel reserves which led me to start writing about stranded assets. As you will be aware... I've already commented on this in earlier episodes of the Sustainable Futures show. You can download the first part of Can We Win the Carbon War from jeremyleggett.net. That's J-E-R-E-M-Y-L-E-G-G-E-T-T dot net. In this first instalment, he talks about how attitudes are finally beginning to change people are beginning to realise that there is a potential problem and even that there could be a carbon bubble every bit as serious as the subprime mortgage bubble which caused the 2008 financial crash. For the moment, of course, the sceptics are still in the vast majority. There will be new instalments of the document each month from now until December when the Intergovernmental Paris Conference on Managing Climate Change takes place. The whole thing will then be published as a book early next year. I'm very much looking forward to the next episode, which I hope will throw some light on the reason for the collapse in the oil price and the likely consequences. Jeremy has agreed in principle to be interviewed for the Sustainable Futures show, and I'll bring this to you later in the year. There will also be interviews with Tim Balkan, CEO of IEMA, the Institute of Environmental Management and Assessment, and with Fiona Pelham, Sustainable Events Specialist and co-author of the ISO 20121 International Standard on Sustainable Events. We'll hear from Gareth Kane, author and sustainability expert. Two interesting things in the week's news. Apparently you should never say the C word, that's C for climate change, in Florida. Officials from the state's Department of Environmental Protection have been told not to use the phrases climate change or global warming in any communication. 
They have also been instructed not to use the term sea level rise, which should instead be referred to as nuisance flooding. The policy has been rolled out statewide, but only verbally, with nothing in writing. Unsurprisingly, both the department and the governor's spokesman both said there was no such policy. I believe presidential hopeful Jed Bush comes from Florida, and he is known to be an ardent climate sceptic. Well, he would be. He's an oil man. Can we really have a third Bush as president? It hardly bears thinking about. We could have the scenario of Obama going to the Paris conference in December and signing the states up to far-reaching commitments, and then the new president coming in just over a year later and reversing all the decisions. It could be déjà vu all over again, just like Kyoto, Clinton and the other Bush. Let's just try not to think about it. The other interesting news is the start of the round-the-world flight by a solar-powered plane, Solar Impulse 2. It's going to take five months, which is slightly better than an old-world sailing ship, but not as good as a conventional aircraft. But of course it's a prototype. The fact that it can do this without any power at all apart from the power of the sun is an important demonstration of how far technology has come. By virtue of the batteries that it carries, this plane can even fly at night. Of course, conventional plane makers have shown a complete lack of interest in the project, but as one of the pilots said, it wasn't the candle makers who invented the light bulb. Aviation undoubtedly has a problem because of its carbon footprint. It uses an awful lot of fuel, and some people say that emissions at altitude are far more damaging than emissions at ground level. There is just no way of significantly reducing the carbon footprint of conventional aircraft. Hybrid aeroplanes, anyone? Or maybe we should build Arthur C. Clarke's space elevators with zip wires in between them. Or perhaps not. And finally, thank you to all who have sent feedback to the Sustainable Futures show, both from the UK and now from the US. Your ideas and your comments are most welcome, and I shall certainly be designing future episodes around your suggestions. One that's under active consideration at the moment is the relationship of sustainability and higher education. Well, that's the end of another episode of the Sustainable Futures Show. This is Anthony Day, and thank you for listening. There will be another episode next week. I'm not sure what it'll be about, so it'll be a surprise to me as well as to you. You can be sure that it will be about making sense of sustainability. Until next time, bye for now.